0: FaithFit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents Ex Nihilo with Father Martin Wen and Steve Bucklin, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts.
1: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another weekly podcast from Ex Nihilo. This is your host, Father Martin. And your co-host, Steve Buckland. Welcome back. Welcome back, and we hope that you've had a wonderful
0: week. We hope you've had a weekend enjoying fine Trappist products.
1: (laughs) If anyone is questioning, that was quite a lively discussion we had in regards to the Holy Beer. Uh, But today we thought we would give you a chance to uh, really... Uh, take a different tone and get to know your host. You've been listening to to me you know, mumbling and rambling for uh, several months now. Many months. Uh, yes, many months. Because I think we've done like 26, 27 podcasts. I think we're that. actually
0: up over 30.
1: Oh, really? Oh, my gosh. No wonder my brain is so fried. Uh,
0: (laughs) Well, basically what happened was is many people um, asked to learn more about Father Martin's vocation story. So we thought we would talk a little bit about his vocation story, mostly because it's far more interesting than my vocation story, most of which is not suitable to be broadcast on the air. But we did talk
1: about uh, your vocation as as a a family man, as, as someone with seven children. And one of whom is sitting right next to me, the pain in my neck. Uh, but the joy of my life, oh, we can what? <laughs> That's so nice. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, Jesus <laughs> is the joy of my life. But that sounded weird. It does, isn't it? The joy <laughs> my bad. of my I, life. I, like, I, that, like I said, my brain is fried. <laughs> 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 so, yes, just a chance for us to get to know me a little bit better. Um, so I am open to any question from so,
0: Steve and we can I think we have to understand that, first of all, like most children, Father Martin was born.
1: Yes. Yes. Right. Although, although my mother said she Amy. she she picked me up under a banana tree. Did they doesn't... have banana trees in Vietnam? Oh yeah, yeah. it's tropical. It's tropical. <laughs> Steve, really? What do you think? Well, I've never been. <laughs>
0: Don't you know what topography? I mean, wow! I just wow. All the disdain. <laughs> banana.
1: Have you seen I bizarre bananas. food?
0: With biz- bizarre food or bizarre food, bizarre, whatever,
1: <laughs> something like that.
0: <laughs> bizarre food. I, I, I'm so upset. <laughs> He's just nervous because we're talking about. Uh, him, if you've right? seen well,
1: bizarre foods, you'd have kn- you know that Vietnamese people actually eat birds' nests made out of the bird's spit. That's the Chinese people. No,
0: I watched bizarre foods in Vietnam. Bizarre that's foods. Food that's what they were eating. Oh, yeah. right.
1: well, here you go.
0: Did people. you ever do that? Did you ever yes. eat the, a nest? The would birds you, like nest? To, would you, you like to try it?
1: My mom has some at home. Birds' nest soup. Yes, that's expensive. How'd it's, you get that? It's it's very good for you too. It is, but it's ex- um, really expensive. Hold on, where are we? Yeah, How did you Sorry. end up
0: with bird's nest soup?
1: <laughs> well, let's get back. Do you back guys to... have a bird? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Anyway, well, I mean, you
0: have to harvest it from. This cave. Is, so this is interesting. So somehow we went from vocation story to bird bird nest <laughs> soup. bird spit nest as,
1: soup. As, yeah, as happens often. Is we that got holy? distracted. <laughs> Uh, but you if you haven't noticed, I do have an exotic accent. And right? It, it because you're from, from... Alabama. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sweet home, sweet home Alabama, <laughs> where the skies are so blue and we're eating bird nest soup. So you were actually born in Vietnam. I was born
1: Vietnam. in was North born Vietnam, and South Vietnam. I was born in the South. I was born in Saigon. Really? Uh, Ho Chi Minh? Which, which they don't call Saigon anymore after 1975. It's Ho Chi Minh City. Right. Who is Ho Chi Minh? Uh, this is quizzing you on your, um, your heritage. Truly, I blocked out most of it. But he's He's the first president of the Socialist Republic of Vietnam. Right. Um, But anyway, uh, yes, I was born in Saigon. And basically, what happened was uh, after Vietnam, uh, the Republic of Vietnam fell in 1975. The communists took over, and uh, and it was a very dire condition for a lot of people. The, the the poverty was incredible it wasn't a peaceful takeover I take N- it mm. It was not a lot of people lost everything their lives and my my grandfather fought for the south of the Republic and he was killed in 69 Wow. Uh, my uncle was sent to uh, a labor camp two of my aunts died because of the bomb shelter collapsed and um, uh, my mom and my dad in the in the 80s when they met uh, had wanted to leave the country. A lot of Vietnamese fled Vietnam after the fall of Saigon. And in 89 they they tried to to leave the country hmm. through the um, the border of Cambodia. But they got caught. They got caught and they let my mom go because she was pregnant. Uh, but they arrested my dad. Oh, I didn't know. Um, so he, I guess they would have kept him for a few days because it happened a lot. A lot of people tried to leave. But he escaped that night. He was worried by my mom. She was Mm -hmm. pregnant. She was four months pregnant in the middle of the wilderness. So he escaped. He tried to look for her. And they caught him again and they shot him. They killed him at the border of Cambodia. Never recovered the body. Uh, Never really knew my my dad's face. We were really poor. All I knew is that he was a teacher. He taught literature. Uh, My mom met him in Saigon. And and the interesting thing is his family wasn't, wasn't Catholic. Uh, my mom was born and raised Catholic. And so when I was born, uh, August seventeenth, uh, um my mom had me baptized three weeks later, and uh, my my Patono family found out, and they kicked us out. They disowned oh. me. Uh, and so we were li- well, what we, faith was your paternal family? I think it's Buddhist, <coughs> hmm. Hmm.
0: Uh, which that doesn't sound particularly Buddhist, right? <laughs> well, you 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 soon will realize there's a lot of... Con- Buddhists are just like Christians, is that what you're saying? They're yes. good Buddhists, and then they're less good Buddhists.
1: Correct. Right. Not everybody embraces what is called a peaceful path. Peace, right. Uh, and so they, they disowned us, and we lived on the street for about two weeks. My mom, I think, walked all the way back to our hometown, which is... Uh, and how old were you when this happened? Three weeks old. Three weeks? Yeah. Wow. We were living in, in the street. Um, but then we made it back to our hometown and, and I was raised by my mom and, and my grandmother. We lived in, I lived in a slum uh, in the marketplace for about uh, five years. Wow. It was pretty cool because like, a lot of my pets were like rats. That Ra- explains why you eat birds' nests. <laughs> <laughs> rats in the marketplace, all over the place, and even in our little kiosk apartment, mm-hmm. because it's so small. <laughs> Downstairs is the shop, and upstairs is the bedroom. And so rats would come in and out like...
0: Well, you mentioned the shop, so did you guys... Were you merchants, or
1: did you... My, my mother had a little shop. She Let's see, she sold tomatoes, tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a butcher for a little while well she didn't she sell she she sold meat and she didn't she didn't actually butcher it nope she didn't she just got the the, the merchandise from other people um and then and then we moved in with our grandmother uh, and then yeah from there i was raised by this incredible woman who was very faithful very very faithful and how did you end up here um let's see long story because my grandmother the support of my life really died when i was 11 mm. of cancer and after that period of time i i left the church i i was quite a teenager <laughs> i was a nasty teenager um at that point my family was pretty rich my mom's business was very successful she had her own company i lived in a villa took care i was taken care of by two housekeepers wow Uh, oh yeah who knew who knew that does explain a few things oh gosh this is what I used to do and I'm I'm not proud to admit it but like I would I would have them boil water and then wash my feet really (laughs) as a teenager isn't that awful that sounds just like you Uh, so weird Gosh, I'm so terrible. No wonder he hates nature. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> but uh, but then in 2005, the economy collapsed, and my mother lost everything. Wow. Lost everything, and so from the little prince, I returned to being a slum dog. And you know, it was I was a teenager, and I was so embarrassed. I went to a very very good school, very good high school, well known in the whole country. Uh, Not country, but the region, the southern region. And most of my friends are very rich. And I didn't, I could not admit that my family had gotten poor. Hmm. I used to be chauffeured to school, and now I had to ride my bicycle. And I started cutting off from my friends because I just didn't fit in anymore. But this whole time, my mother had worked behind the scenes somehow to arrange for me to go to the U.S. to study because she knew that, you know, the, the future is shot uh, if I were to live in Vietnam. So she arranged and I came home one day from school, it'll junior year, and she said that, you know, get your paperwork together. You're going to have an interview with the American embassy and you're going to try to get a visa to study. And I said, no. And, <laughs> and she said, yes. And that took care of it. Yep. I went to get my interview, and it will. It was really a very slight chance. We didn't have a lot of money. I'm an only child, and uh, there's no really no proof that that I would return. Mm-hmm. But somehow, when I talked to this American young lady, uh, the officer from the cha- from the embassy, she was very, uh, I guess, impressed. And she just sign off on the visa very easily. I was in, I was very surprised that I would pass it. Hmm. Uh, and so two weeks later, uh, I got my visa on May 19th. May 19th, and then uh, on June 15th of uh, 2006, I left Vietnam. Wow, which isn't that long ago. That's only 11, like 11 years. years. Yeah. Mm. To, uh, I'd never Taken a flight in my life And it was quite a trip 31 hours of absolute nightmare You didn't uh, like flying? Well, I i didn't even know <coughs> Did how to Did you have a middle seat? I didn't, ha- I didn't even know how to check in my luggage <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I flew Korean airline And apparently I that's looked nicer. a nice airline. Yeah, that's
0: like one of the best yeah, yes. Big blue planes, very well catered Yeah.
1: But then they didn't speak English to me Well, I didn't speak much English for, for one thing Did you and speak Korean? And I look Korean, so they spoke Korean to me. And like, man, I was so hungry. I didn't know how to order food. You should have just pointed. (laughs) That's true. And then I got stuck. I got stuck in the bathroom. I didn't know how to open the bathroom door on a plane. None of this surprises me.
0: Like, all up until you got on the airplane, I was like, wow, wow, wow. And then you're having all these problems on an airplane. And suddenly, like, all the mystery was gone. I'm like, yep, that's (laughs) Father Martin.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then I got lost in Atlanta. Uh-huh. I missed my flight. Yeah. And, uh, yep. This is all adding up now. I can yep. See where the turn happened. <laughs> and, you know, the the very first thing I did in America, which is very interesting, because I got in early. and my You host, went to McDonald's, didn't you? My host family didn't expect me, and I, I had to call them, and I had to beg for quarters. Oh, to call? To call. Back in '06. there was still pay phones. Still phone. pay phones. Yeah. Yep. And so I called them and I learned very quickly that my host family had lied to me. They said they were Christians. But when I got to their home, it turned out that they were Muslims. Oh whoops! Well, they're very close. Uh, some, I guess so. They're both <laughs> theistic. And remember, this is only five years after 9/11. Right. And so there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of uncertainty. So I would never told my mom that I was living with. Um, I think she's going to find out now. Muslim family? No, she found out a year later. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's the story of how I got to America. Wow. And so you were here. So this was the end of your junior year. Yep, and then so I, I had to finish my final school year, my senior year. I wanted to check out Bishop Moore, but uh, they weren't sure about my English uh, capacity, so they, they said no. When did you finally start speaking English? I mean, as, I, I as well some. as you speak it now. I spoke some, I mean, and I learned over the years, really. What was uh, your first English word? Do you remember that? <laughs> diarrhea. Nice, that's everybody's I thought it was favorite pole. Word. No, diarrhea, because on my first day in, in the country my host family gave me a glass of milk oh dear and ooh, was it was are lactose intolerant was it funny well that was the first time I drank milk so my, my system was not used to it oh now I can take milk but but <laughs> the first day was quite something so I had to look it up in the dictionary. That was the first word: diarrhea. <laughs>
0: um,
1: <yep. clears throat> so I, nice. added, I ended up going to Bishop, uh, not Bishop, but uh, Doctor Phillips High School. Nice. And how long did you stay with that host family? Eight months. Wow. Uh, hmm. It got too well, expensive it's nice of them to keep you. No, it's six hundred and fifty dollars a month. Oh,
0: oh, so you have to pay the host family? They're yeah. not just doing it out of the kindness of their <sighs> heart. No. no, they're doing it for the
1: cash. They were doing it for the cash, and remember, I was I was sixteen, I was seventeen years old, and having to pay six fifty dollars a month. That's a lot of money. Now, where did that money come from? Well, I worked, I worked three uh, three job, um, uh, going to school full time. Right. Uh, and then on after school, I tutored math, mm-hmm. and I cut grass. How did you
0: tutor math if you couldn't speak English? What were you telling these
1: kids? I don't know, but it worked. <laughs> 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 uh, I spoke some, and Matthew didn't really have to do much of, uh, <laughs> of talking. <laughs> <laughs> and I cut grass in the neighborhood, and I, I work in the back of a uh, Chinese restaurant. Nice. <laughs> Doing dishes and grilling chicken. Okay. Just enough of $650 to pay for my rent. All
0: right. So the, now the inquiring minds want to know. So you're, you've come to America. You're living the American dream. You're eating cheeseburgers. You're wor- working in a Chinese restaurant. It's what we all dream of. And how did you end up going to seminary? Because you must
1: have gone to seminary right after high school. I did. I sure did. Well, the desire to become a priest sort of came back when came back. Yeah, when I was a, when I was little, I'd I'd love to sell, to say mass. I loved to play mass with my friends. How old was this? Uh, fourth grade. Fourth grade. Fourth grade used to do that all the time after school, but as a teenager, as a nasty teenager that I was, it, it wasn't God wasn't in the picture. Mm-hmm. But when we were poor, when we lost everything, and somehow the question of religion, the question of faith came back, and with that, the desire to become a priest. Hmm. And my mother realized that, you know, if I was to stay in Vietnam, that wasn't going to be fulfilled. Uh, because of our background, the, the the government would not have let me enter the seminary, or and if they did, they would probably never let me be ordained, because they still have a lot of control over there. So she said, if if this is what you want to do, then America would give you a better chance.
0: Ah, so the reason you came to America was so you could
1: go to seminary. Well, she uh, <clears throat> she just wanted me to be open up to the. The possibilities of everything. Yep. There's a lot of freedom here. Yep. And so, yes, I after high school I entered seminary and I enter as a freshman, the youngest in the state of Florida. And there was a there was a long process of maturation for sure. If you ever talk to Father Chris, because he's known me for. Uh, for a long time he he would tell you oh my god i was a mess of well, a freshman. he did
0: tell me uh about watching you learn to drive and that we, we, <laughs> we should be grateful we missed those years
1: <laughs> yeah one of my priest friend was trying to teach me how to drive and it 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 fried his transmission i was, was that good. On, an,
0: on an automatic you fried the transmission yep Ugh. Wow, that's hard to that's do. That's hard to do. You just put it in the D, push the pedal,
1: <laughs> some somehow. Wow, well, he, that's, he had that's to get a new so, transmission. So,
0: a couple of things, I guess. Um, so, when you came over here, um, were you convicted about going to
1: seminary when you arrived, or I, I was convict I was very much interested in becoming a priest, but the question now is, diocesan or religious? Mm-hmm. Because I've always been very drawn to the Dominicans, priesthood or priesthood mm. 2.0. that's it, I guess so. because i I was taught by Dominicans. my patron saint Saint Martin, is a Dominican. yep, so I was thinking about that, and they are also the then order of studies and and preaching, which is sort of like my appeal. Mm-hmm. but then, then do they also, do the tonsure. they used to. You don't look anymore. good with that. <laughs> I don't know about that one.
0: You should tell people what a tantra is.
1: Uh, a tantra is, uh, I guess, that a ceremony that that they do when they first, when you first enter seminary life or religious life, where they cut uh, a chunk of your hair uh, right by the crown, and just a sign of you know renunciation of uh, your former life and enter into a new state of life. They don't do that anymore. I. Th- I no. don't think. No. Well, it, some of these orders, uh, like the Fraternity of St. Peter's, they still do they that. They still do
0: the Yeah. Wow. You I maintain you still would look good with the tonsure. Well, It would be you. interesting.
1: And then I also, <laughs> debating the question whether I want to enter the Salesians, the, the um, order of St. Don Bosco, because they're into education and I love yep. kids. Yep. Uh, but when I visited the seminary with Father Miguel, who was the vocation director then. Who f- was on with us in like one of our yep. first podcasts and so i felt at home i felt at home at the seminary and and i said uh, i was very much conflicted the question is can i do this can i do this
0: yeah
1: and and i remember praying to the blessed mother and you know give me a sign and on the last day somehow there was an incredible sense of peace and i could never really describe it again the last day of what of the the, the weekend that i spent at the seminary oh, okay uh that was just an incredible sense of peace and when i was listening to that song here i am lord which is a major cliche yeah yeah but somehow when the phrase i will hold your people in my heart mm-hmm. it hit me it mm. hit me and it's like okay this is what meant to do so i applied i applied wow. on the way back on the bus drive back four hours i i applied to the seminary wow
0: did it take all four hours to fill out the application?
1: Mainly because I was struggling with the English. English? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is N A M E? That's your name. I could remember <laughs> when I was filling it out, and I and I, I wrote this phrase the preset can be dangerous and And Father annis, when he review his my application, he said, "You know, maybe not dangerous, cross that out, maybe put challenging <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that was that was fun, that was fun, but I think the major struggle wasn't uh, the application process, which is pretty long, yeah, but it's the months leading up to the seminary.
0: How about the psychiatric evaluations oh, somehow man. you managed to get through those
1: oh man, that was long, but you know he did." He did say that my my intelligence is under average, below average. Really? <laughs> yep. Who said this? The, the psychologist. Oh. And wow. I, what did I, he
0: have you do? Did you take, like, an IQ exam?
1: I don't know, but that was the, the, the observation that he made. And I graduated twice with magna cum laude, so I don't know. <laughs> huh. <laughs> huh. But anyway, so, yeah, the months leading <laughs> up to entering the seminary was tough, though, because uh, my mom was sick. My mom had come... When did she finally come over? January 28th of 2007. Wow. Mm, so uh, next year, and uh, and she got sick. She lost her job, and oh, it was a nightmare. And I was the only one who spoke English. We were really earning about fifty dollars a week to live on, and that was me directing traffic at Holy Family. Uh, our dinner is like three bucks. Yeah. Eat a lot of ramen. Yeah, Eat of that's it. That's and ramen it. Ramen noodles. We, we yeah. walked to Walmart, and that's what we got. Because you can get like ten
0: for like five dollars. Uh,
1: so yeah, and I was debating whether I should leave my mom or should I stay. And it was it was. No, I mean, a lot of a lot of crying then. Yeah. Uh, but on August seventh, and I I was determined. Let just God, just let God deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I I left and. <clears throat> My mom was crying behind me, and I didn't want to look back because I knew, I'm like, oh, that's not going to happen. So uh, so I went, and he, she's well taken care of.
0: Yeah, your mom's wonderful. So we see her from – we are blessed to see her from time to time, which is always nice. So. Mm-hmm. so that's amazing. And then you made it somehow through nine years
1: of seminary, or rather not, not the seminary with... survived you for nine years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, however you want to look at it, there's a lot of ups and downs for sure, and there's a lot of – uh, debate, questions. What was kind of the most, so from when you went in, what would, if you just take like
0: one thing that surprised you most about your time in seminary that you wouldn't, weren't expecting?
1: Uh, I think it's the uh, the process of, uh, my my understanding of the priesthood mm. changed gradually.
0: And what about from like graduation to now? So now you got a year and a half basically under your belt as a priest. So when you started as a priest a year and a half ago, where you were ordained to now, Mm-hmm. What's been your biggest surprise
1: since? Um, the biggest surprise, I, I suppose. Oh, well, I wouldn't say a big surprise because we we hear it all the time that you know priests is very busy. Yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. And you've had an exceptionally busy first year. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've done four and years you know, in one. In yeah. your mind, you know it. You're expecting it. Yeah, but actually experience it. Experiencing it, yeah. it's totally a different story. What about affirmation for you? Like, uh, yes, that has of been, your vocation. That has been a beautiful thing because, um, because like when you first enter, you got all these under notions yeah. about what the priesthood should be all about. But really, the, the people, the people have uh, have taught me to be a good priest. Uh, because I, I come to into the priesthood, I was ordained with you know gifts and, and and flaws. There are things that I'm good at, and there are things that I I'm not particularly good at. I'm good with children. I'm yep. good with. Uh, I would a, agree with that. A lot of um, these priestly duties, but like driving, uh, you're not good at. No, driving is not <laughs> good. And surprisingly, like anointing of the sick, yeah, the major uh, duty of a priest. I've always been very intimidated by it. I guess because I'm always a doer and doer. And in those situations when you stand by the bedside of someone's dying, mm-hmm. there's very little that you could do. Mm-hmm. And it's a ministry of presence. And at that point, you, you have to realize you are simply a channel. Because it's not you who is preparing these people for the moment when they meet God. It, it's God who is doing the healing. Yep. And, and for me, it, it took a little while to really wrap my mind around that and be comfortable with the fact that I'm not, I don't have a really a big role here. I'm here simply to bring Jesus to, um, to the dying person. And it kind of reminds me a lot about um, what my spiritual director used to say, you know. He always said the priesthood, the priest is like the donkey that carried Jesus into Jerusalem. If it would be so sad if the donkey thinks that all the praises was for him, yeah, because he's simply carrying the the Messiah, and and that's that stuck with me, and so I'm I'm just doing the best I can every day as a priest to to be that uh, to be the donkey, to be doing your best every day to be the donkey, to be the donkey carrying the good Lord and to his people. That's beautiful.
0: Nice. Well that's a great way to wrap it up. So that's a very nice I mean very in a way very abbreviated but it, I think hopefully it provides a better kind of illustration for right. for everybody kind of you know and the path to the priesthood is different for everybody you know. Right. I think one of the things that I've heard and I've heard a lot of vocation stories over the years but one of the things that always strikes me is is almost everybody has some moment you know where that you know Father Chris was talking about uh, a few podcasts back about his time when he went you know was in college and he had a job and he had a girlfriend and he had this feeling and then he's you know kind of had that moment where it was just like okay now i'm over the cliff like i had you know like okay this is this is I, i'm certain that this is what i want or mm-hmm. this is where i'm being called you know and, and i think in father chris's case he was like it wasn't necessarily where i wanted to go but it was where i knew god wanted me to be um and to be open to that um
1: in, in a sense i'm i'm always very humbled listening to my brother's uh vocation stories and see the gifts and the talents that they bring to the priesthood because uh, I am a flawed human being. Mm. I have uh, I am a sinner and I have my mistakes and uh, I can be a pain as you know. Yes De- we
0: do. dealing with We me can and I know firsthand. A,
1: <laughs> dealing with me on a regular basis but God has called me to such an amazing, amazing life and just the interactions that I have weekly with the people of God, uh, no, not perfect in any sense, um, uh, but somehow it's very affirming to know that uh, the beauty of the priesthood and the difference that it makes, uh, and really St. John Vianney is very right to say you know, the priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus to humanity. And unfortunately, you know we are f- fragile human beings, and imperfect as we are. But hopefully, as a priest, I'm doing the best I can to have the, to help the people experience the rhythm and the beat of of the heart of Jesus, loving them still and taking care of them still every day spiritually. So, nice. wrapping up our conversation, uh, we hope that you find this conversation, this podcast uh, helpful. And if you're discerning the priesthood, we hope you'll continue to pray about
0: it. And if you're not, we hope you'll continue to pray for vocations. You can always vocations. think that
1: if, if Father Martin can
0: make it, I can make it. You right. Know. Yep. He had to come um, halfway around the world to get to seminary. And yeah. he had below average intelligence. And just, even with his below average intelligence and his
1: less than <laughs> stellar driving skills, he's still a wonderful holy man of God. Uh, so we wish you a wonderful week and keep God always in your mind and heart. Amen. God, God, God bless.
0: Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented... Ex Nihilo with Father Martin Wen and Steve Bucklin. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.